Welcome to season two of the Stephanie Humphrey podcast. This season features our biblical teaching segment, Study With Me, where we read through portions of the Old and New Testament, and Sip and Say with Stephanie, where you hear Stephanie's perspective on social issues, world events, and whatever is on her mind. Join us on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more on Thursdays at 10 p.m. Want to leave Stephanie a message? Go to our podcast on Anchor FM and click the message button, and you just might be featured on her podcast. Don't forget to like and share your favorite episodes. We look forward to engaging with you soon. Blessings. Welcome to Be Free Ministries Bible Study. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you all doing today? How are you feeling? How are you emotionally? How are you mentally? How are you physically? How is your heart? How are you doing right now in this moment? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm tired. I am a little tired today. I almost didn't come on because I ran a few errands after work. And so it put me back home a little later than I normally get home. And I only ran the errand because the Lord told me to. The Lord was like, go do this. And I was just like, okay. So I went and spent a little more time than I anticipated. So it put me a little late. So I haven't had dinner yet. So this Bible study tonight is going to be short and sweet. (laughs) We're going to do two chapters in Genesis and then I'm going to go. And get my dinner. Like I was determined, like this weekend I cooked. I cooked on Monday and I was determined I'm not cooking again until Friday. So I cooked enough for me to warm up and everything. So all I have to do is warm up the food that I've already prepared. And I'm excited about that. So I said all that. So I am a little tired. I am ready. See, I'm not really hungry at this moment. Um, but I know by the time probably 7.30 or so comes around, I'm going to be ready to eat. So we're going to be short and sweet, but we're definitely going to read the entire uh, Genesis 18 and Genesis 19. But I was asking you how you're doing, and I was telling you how I'm doing. I'm doing well. Um, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. I may not feel good. I may not like what's going on in my life or in the world, but God yet remains good. It never, it will never be said that God is not good just because the circumstances in our world have changed. We've had a few mass shootings over the last few weeks. And it's great for us to pray. We need to pray. We need to uplift the families. We need to ask God to comfort them, to give them peace, because God is a God of all comfort. He will bring peace. But I feel like we we should pray and we should do, we should put some action behind our prayers. Like I feel like we should talk to for me, let me just talk for me. My action is sending um, letters, calls, I'm not I'm not gonna call but letters to my legislators in my state to ask them what are they going to do about um, the mass shootings that have happened. Are they going to have some discussions about gun laws? Are they gonna have some discussions about how to better equip our educational system. Like I want to know what the legislators in my state are doing in particular. So we will have those conversations. I'm curious to know how their response is going to be. There's one legislator I have in mind that I, I'm not sure if they're going to take too kindly to what I've, um, what, what I have prepared to share with them, but I am going to share in a respectful way. And, um, I'll let you know the outcome. I'll probably talk some more about it. Um, sip and say with Stephanie in a few Thursdays. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it then. So yeah, so I'm doing great. Again, prayers, thoughts are going are, are, are for those families because they do need that. But I'm also going to put some action behind the prayers that I've already sent up on behalf of these families. I'm going to put some prayers. I mean, I'm gonna, excuse me, I'm going to put some actions behind it. So my Aunt Wanda has joined us and she says she is doing well. I'm glad to know you're doing well, Aunt Wanda. Great that you are here and joining us. And look, look what I have tonight. I got my prayer warrior mug. I was like, I'm going to be drinking out of my mug. So so for those of you who missed it and say last Thursday, my Aunt Wanda gave me this prayer warrior mug as a gift. 
and I absolutely love it. So I was like, I'm going to be sipping on, uh, you know, on some water tonight for Bible study because my throat is a little, um, I, have, I don't know about my water intake. I try to, I keep a 64 ounce bottle at work with me and I have a smaller one that I think it's 20 ounces that I keep in the car. I put some ice in it, keep in the car. It's aluminum. So it does hold, the cold does hold. Today in my area, it was 96 degrees and I got in the car and I usually drink from my 20 ounce bottle. And my water was still cold because, like I said, the ice, uh, that aluminum maintains the coldness. And so I've drank some really good water, but I feel my body needing some more water. Like I've heard healthcare professionals say, if you feel thirsty, then you, you've already gone too long without water. So let me get a little sip of my water tonight. In my purple prayer warrior mug. And so let's just get on into Bible study. I done told y'all I'm, I'm, I'm ready for, or getting ready for dinner. I'm feeling a little bit hungry now, but by the time 7.30 rolls around, I'm going to want some dinner. And y'all, while I'm cleaning my glasses, because this print in my New Living Translation Bible is small. So let me tell y'all what I'm going to have for dinner. I cook some Beyond Burgers. So, you know, the Beyond Burgers are the veggie burgers. They're, I mean, excuse me, these are plant-based burgers. They're made from plants. Um, I think... I don't know what kind of plants. I really don't remember, um, but I'm excited to have them. I'm going to top it off with some onions and cheese and um, and mustard. You know, that's what I'm going to top it off with. I do have some. No, I think I'm going to just stick with those things. So that's what I'm going to top off my burgers with. I have some broccoli for my vegetables. I may cook some other vegetables. I think I'm going to just stick with my broccoli because it's already cooked. And I promised myself I wasn't going to cook this week until Saturday, until um, Friday. So I'm going to do a little cooking Friday because I have an event on Saturday. And so we're going to do that. Okay, so let's get into this word. We are in the book of Genesis. We are in um, chapter... Um, hold on just a second. I'm going to chat a little, bit, a little bit. So, y'all, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation because it's my favorite um, translation of the Bible to read in the Old Testament in particular because y'all know, y'all heard me say it. Y'all should be able to say it with me because it reads like a story, reads like a story. All right. So, Genesis 18, the Lord appeared again, in, again to Abraham while he was camped near the oak tree belonging to Mamre. One day about noon, as Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent, he suddenly noticed three men standing nearby. Y'all know that three, one for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Ghost. He got up and ran to meet them, welcoming them by bowing low to the ground. It was during this time, and, and still some today, depending on how you grew up, how your family, you know, taught you and trained you and raised you. But during biblical times, it was custom, like having guests in your home was like they treated you like royalty when you had guests in your home because it was a blessing and a privilege and just awesome to have guests. So um, Abraham is respectful of to these guests that have joined him at his tent or at his home. So he bows low to the ground to honor them, to acknowledge them, to appreciate them showing up to have some fellowship. All right. So verse eight, no, verse seven. No, let me go back up a little further. Verse three, <laughs> my Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while my servants get some water to wash your feet. We talked about wash your feet, I think last um, last Bible study. Um, let, yeah, last Bible study, we're in uh, Matthew. I talked about Jesus being the greatest servant and washing his disciples' feet. Verse five, let me prepare some food to refresh you. Please stay a while before continuing on your journey. All right, they said. Do as you have said. So if you got to stop it here, go and get that food ready. Get that, um, bit, that, bait, uh, bat, um, what I want to call it. What is it called? Basin. Get that basin ready so our feet can be washed. I like that they said, okay, we're going to stay with them. We need you to, you know, do what you have said you're going to do. In the tent. Hold on, I went too far again. Verse six. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, quick, get three measures of your best flour and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a fat calf and told a servant to hurry and butcher it. 
When the food was ready, he took some, y'all, let me push pause. It always, it always astonishes me. You know, so when we have guests to come to our house, when we know that they're coming, we, you know, we prepare a meal for them. We usually have food ready. You know, I, let me just speak for me. I usually have food ready. If I know somebody's coming, I'm going to have some food ready. If I don't know you're coming, then I'm just going to go get some food, like some Smithfields or something that you don't have to wait for me to cook it. But during biblical times, if they had, an, uh, of course, if the guest is unexpected and if you can well, I just said, if you can't cook for them, great. Okay, I just said, I'm going I'm going to eat out. I'm going, I'm going to go get some Smithfield or something. But during biblical times, you know, they didn't have Smithfields. They couldn't go, you know, over to the church's chicken. So they prepared the food right then. It always astonishes me that they take a, a like a live calf, <laughs> put it on the spit, and roast it and prepare for it. It's like, I wonder, how long does that take? Like, how long does it take? you? Because first of all, you got to go get... What they had a calf? They have a calf. Yes, a fat calf. The fat calf. So that's gonna take a look. So you got to go get the calf from the field. You got to kill the calf. You got to butcher the calf. Meaning, get out the organs. You know, get the fat out of the way. Get the skin. Well, get the skin off first. Get the organs out so you can get to the meat. You got to cut the head off. Cut the legs off. Like you, it takes some time to butcher an animal. So you got to butcher it. You got to get the meat ready, prepare, and then you got to roast it. You got to, and I say roast because they you, they cook on a spit or on a fire pit. And so then you gotta you gotta cook it. Like I'm like, how long did, did they have to say two hours, three hours? So it always astonishes me when I read about. Um, um, our biblical patriarchs when they actually fix food like right then, right at that moment. It also, and so this puts me in the mind of a story. I know this Bible study, but this puts me in the mind of a story. My, I used to hang out with my grandma a lot growing up. I stayed in her and granddaddy's house till I was sixteen, and so we would go visit her sister who lived in a neighboring town about twenty twenty to thirty minutes away. And so one time we went to visit my grandma's sister. I was with her. I think it was just me with her. I think it was probably during the summer. I was probably out for the summer or it was a Saturday. Anyway, it was me and grandma and we went to her sister's house and she didn't have any food prepared. So while we were there, she was like, I didn't know y'all were coming. She ended up cooking breakfast. We went early. So she pulled a pack of bacon straight from the freezer and put it in the pan. How do I know? Because I went back to the kitchen with her. I don't know if she invited me to come back or if I just went being nosy. So I was sitting in the kitchen with, aunt, with my aunt Sally. We call her Aunt Tilla. And I was sitting back in there in the kitchen with her watching her um, take this bacon out, frozen bacon. She put it right in the pot, like right in the pan. And I was, I was looking because I never seen, I never saw my grandma like pull bacon out of the out of the freezer. But, but she did. She knew she wanted it prepared in a hurry because she didn't want us to have to wait. And so again, it makes me wonder how long does it take? How long did it take in biblical times to get the app? Because I want is the calf gonna run? <laughs> I guess the cows aren't like peas. Peas gonna run. You know, they go, if you're not about to get some bacon out of me, I'm about to take off. So I don't know if calves were more cooperative, but you got to get them and just go through that process. So I always wondered how long it took, how long did guests have to wait to eat when they came to visit you unannounced? I know that was a long explanation, but it really reminded me of that bacon. So anyway, we're going to keep on going. The food got prepared. Verse 7. Let me go to verse 8. When the food was ready, he took some cheese curds and milk and the roasted meat, and he served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them there beneath the tree. Where is Sarah, your wife? They asked him. In the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, about this time next year, I will return and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Remember in verse 17, God promised that they would have a son um, that would carry the promise that God would release to Abraham and Sarah. Um, so this is the fulfillment of this is the prophecy coming from these three men, which I won't leave that there. Okay. So this is a prophecy coming forth. Your wife is going to be our child. So we're, we're coming to God spoke to you directly. Now he's sending his messengers to speak to you. Um, verse up oh, still verse 10. Now Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent nearby. I don't know if do y'all wives do that? Like if your husband is talking to his dad or his friends 
or some guests that come by? Are y'all like in the cut listening to the conversation or vice versa? Um, husbands, if your wife has her girlfriends over or her sisters or her mom or, or aunties coming, like, are you sitting in the back room or in the corner, in the cut, in the kitchen, somewhere listening to the conversations? I, I'm, I'm always curious as to how that happens, like in households, like do the spouses listen in on the conversations that they're their uh, wife or husband is having with other people. Y'all hit me up, put it in the chat or put it in the comment section if you are the one that's like in the corner, like what are they talking about? Let me see what kind of, you know, what kind of information I can get. Like, I'm just curious if that really happens. But, if, but let's say I was listening. She was in the kitchen with her ear to the air, listening to these three men speaking to Abraham. So she's listening to the conversation, verse 11. And since... Abraham and Sarah were both very old, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. She laughed silently to herself. How could a worn-out woman like me have a baby, she thought, and when my master, my husband, is also so old? So not only my old, well, my old, but my husband old too. How are we gonna have a, you know, how are we gonna produce this child? How are we gonna have this child? Verse thirteen. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? About a year from now, just as I told you, I will return, and Sarah will have a son. Verse 15, Sarah was afraid, so she denied that she had laughed. But he said, this is not true. You did laugh. Now, now let's just take a moment. Have you ever denied doing something or saying something that you know you said or you know you did? <laughs> I, I, I'm tickled because Sarah lied like God like God was going to have a memory, like a temporary memory loss. <laughs> she was, she, she, she was like, okay, God, God, I'm, I didn't laugh. I know I laughed, but I'm gonna say I didn't laugh because God might have a, a temporary memory loss and He'll forget that I actually laughed. Like God does not have memory loss, like we did. Like He's not gonna forget the things that we've said. So fess up on yourself. I mentioned that at one of the previous Bible studies. I think last um, Genesis Old Testament Bible. Fess up on yourself. If you did it, just admit you did it so you can get healed, you can get forgiven, you can get delivered and move on with your life. But instead of Sarah admitting, yes, God, you're right. I did laugh like I did. <laughs> do you know, God, do you know I'm old? And do you know my husband old? That's why I laugh because this thing right here that you are saying is going to happen. I, it, 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 it by natural means I can't see it, God. I don't see it. So anyway, she lied because of her fear. And sometimes when we are in fear, it does cause us to do things that we may not normally do, or it may cause us to say things that we won't normally say. But if you are experiencing a moment of fear, as best you can, ask God. God, I need you. I'm scared. I need your help. God, I'm scared. I need your wisdom. God, I'm scared. Help me through this situation. Okay. But Abraham lied to God of all people. <laughs> so verse um, 15, excuse me, verse 16, these are these, these little small print, I'm telling you. Then the men got up from their meal and started on towards Sodom. Abraham went with them part of the way. Should I hide my plan from Abraham? The Lord asked. For Abraham will become a great and mighty nation of all the nations of the earth, and, excuse me, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Let me go. Um, I forgot we were about to go into Sodom and Gomorrah. So let me go back up and say just a little bit more about Abraham and Sarah. Sometimes, I would say most times, for me, near about all the time, God speaks a vision to me that's, that's far beyond my ability to fulfill that vision. He speaks far beyond what I thought I could do or what I even imagined that I could do or why, where I felt like I could do it. Like, you know, being a published author, I had no clue that I would be a published author. And then to be a published author of 13 novels, 
and, and one poetry book and then my Gift of Love series. And there's six um, books within that Gift of Love series that combines my single books and two into one. I never, I, I if somebody had told me that when I was a teenager in my 20s, I probably would have been like Sarah. I probably would have laughed. Like, what are you? I loved writing and I loved reading. Never even imagined being a published author. But when God, and I, and I can't even tell you how God released that vision. I remember, actually, I do remember. I do remember. I, I wrote a poem. I wrote a spoken word is what it was for the first lady of the church that I was attending. It was her anniversary. I don't even know if I volunteered or if somebody asked me to do it. I don't even know how I came, how it came about. But I wrote this spoken word for the first lady and it was beautiful. Y'all, I have looked for that spoken word. I think I've said this before on the broadcast. I have looked for that spoken word and I haven't been able to find it. So I, I don't I I can't say that it's lost because y'all I still have some old those old floppy disks. I still have some of those. It could be up there. I don't know. But after the service, one of the women in the church said, Stephanie, you should copyright that copyright. You know, I, I wasn't, I know what copyright is, but I wasn't familiar with the process of copywriting. And it was it that her releasing that word was enough to spark in me. Okay, I can I can do a copyright. Well, let me push this a little bit further. Let me turn this into a business. <laughs> In 2008, I started my business, it's from a publishing company. And then I was able to crank out these books. God released so many different pieces for me to tap into becoming a published author. I'm telling you, I'll, I'll share maybe that at a different time. But but I don't know if God, if, if maybe I would not have heard God, like, like Sarah, you know, laugh. I don't know if my heart was prepared to hear that directly from God. So God used one of my sisters in the church who I consider her a woman of wisdom. I consider her an intercessor and I trust it when the Lord spoke through her. And so that's how God spark into me the passion or the the drive or the vision or the destiny to have my small business and to write my books like man god his dreams like i said his dreams his dreams for us are so much bigger than dreams that we have for ourselves even starting this ministry be free ministries I never imagined that I would lead a ministry, more or less two ministries. That wasn't in my plan. That wasn't in my vision. I was going to serve the church and do whatever I needed to do at church. But I'm leading my own ministry and then leading two of them. I had no clue that that was part of my destiny, but God did. And I can see throughout my life how God prepared me for the moment of starting Be Free Ministries in 2010 and prepared me for start starting Aunties Against Abuse in 2020. Like God, excuse me, 2021, excuse me, 2021, April. God, not only did God have a bigger vision for me than I imagined for myself, but he prepared me. He prepared my heart. He prepared my character. Like I was a mess, y'all. Like I was mean. I was angry. Like God did a great work in my heart and in my mind to get me to this place where I am now. And God's not doing me yet. Y'all, I'm still a work in progress. Like, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. So I want to encourage us. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. When God speaks a vision for you, he will see that vision come to, to fruition. You are never too young, never too old to do what God has called you to do. You're never too young or never too old to fulfill even your own dreams. I mean, there was a, a grandma. Um, I don't know if she's a grandmother, but it was a, I wish I remember how old she was when I see her face right now in her cap and gown, but it was an older lady. I don't know if she was in her 70s or in her 80s. I can't remember, but she just recently graduated from college, y'all. Like you, if you're 75 and you want to go back to school, go back to school. If you're 82 and you want to start a business, start that business. If you're 57 and you want to write a book for the first time, write that book. Like you are never too old to fulfill the vision that God has given to you. God may have spoke the vision to you when you were 16 years old. And right now you're 60, 66 years old. 
God can still fulfill that vision in you. So trust God, seek God, believe God. When he speaks as I, speaks it, I promise he is going to allow that thing to come to pass. We have to trust him and then obey him. And yes, sometimes God vision, like Sarah could cause us to laugh because we're like, God, that's like at the time I started my business, y'all, I didn't have no money. <laughs> can't afford it to, to, to get your book published or get a contract with a publishing company start your own publishing company then like you know and then he 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 released god god did this like a company where i could publish my book as an indie author it didn't cost me anything up front but time just time preparing the book y'all god is so good and he is so amazing if god is speaking a word to you a prophecy to you a vision to you a dream to you fulfill it. Like, don't laugh about it. Don't be intimidated. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about what people have to say about it or what people think about it. You do what God has called you to do. Hallelujah. So yes, yes, do what God has called you to do. Amen. And, and if you're scared about it, tell God, God, I heard you. And I know that's your voice. I know you said it, but God, I'm scared. Like, God, I feel like I, because even Moses told God, God, I, I don't speak well. Like, I'm not eloquent of speech. How am I going to go to Moses and tell him to let my people go? We see our flaw. God sees our strengths. He sees himself as in reflecting off of our face and we see our weaknesses you know we see well I don't I can't speak well or I don't have an education or I haven't been to um to divinity school or I haven't this or I don't this God doesn't see our weaknesses like we do he sees a reflection of him when he looks at us so trust God if God said it he's gonna do it all right I'm gonna move on from there I know I, I, I I'm gonna move on from there <laughs> All right, so let me read. Oh, let me let me get back to where I was. So yes, trust God, trust God, trust God. So we're at Sodom. So God makes a decision to share with Abraham the plans that He has for Sodom. So we're at verse nineteen. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord and do what is right and just. Then I will do for him all that I have promised. This is God speaking to himself about Abraham. So in verse 20, so the Lord told Abraham, I have heard that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah are extremely evil and that everything they do is wicked. I am going down to see whether or not these reports are true. Then I will let you know. The two other men went on towards Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham for a while. Abraham approached him and said, Will you destroy both innocent and guilty alike? Suppose you find 50 people within the city. Will you still destroy it and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the innocent with the guilty. Why you should, why, why you would be treating the innocent and the guilty exactly the same? Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Now this is Abraham talking to God, y'all, saying like, "Look, God, like questioning God, like asking God, like God, would you really destroy the innocent with the guilty?" I'm not mad at Abraham, and Abraham's relationship was so in tune with God and so intimate with God that he could ask those types of questions. When you have an intimate relationship with someone, you can ask them questions that somebody else may not be able to ask them. Okay. So Abraham had this intimate relationship with God and he did question God, God, are you going to destroy the innocent with the guilty? Will you save Sodom if 50 people are righteous and 50 people are innocent? This is God's response, verse 26. And the Lord replied, if I find 50 people in, excuse me, if I find 50 innocent people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again, since I have begun, let me go on and speak further. He liked me, like, since I don't push a little bit, let me push a little bit more. 
Let me go on and speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes. That's that's good, Abraham, acknowledging who you are, because God is sovereign. He seeks after the counsel of his own will. He doesn't need our permission to do anything he does. He's God, you know. But anyway, Abraham had that open door, that intimate relationship, so he pushed a little bit further. Suppose there are only 45. Will you destroy the city for 40, for the lack of five? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45. Then Abraham pressed his quest further. Abraham continued to ask God until he got down to 10. He asked for 40. You can read that for yourself. He asked for 40. He asked for 30. He asked for 20. He asked for 10. So verse 32, finally, Abraham said, Lord, please do not get angry. I will speak. But once more, suppose only 10 are found. And the Lord said, then for the sake of the 10, I will not destroy it. I don't know how many people lived in Sodom at this time. I don't know if it was in the hundreds or if it was in the thousands. I really didn't even think about it to write at this moment. So I didn't do any research about the numbers, but God promised Abraham. Abraham asked and God answered with, yes, I will not destroy Sodom. If there are 10 innocent people in Sodom, I will not destroy it. So 10 out of a couple of hundred or possibly a couple of thousand, I will not destroy it. Verse 33, the Lord went on his way when he had finished his conversation with Abraham and Abraham returned to his tent. How do y'all think Abraham is feeling at this moment? Like, do you think that he's feeling um, confident about the, the conversation that we have with God? Do you feel like he felt confident that Sodom, and of course we know what happens with Sodom, but at the moment of, of, of this conversation with God, do you feel like Abraham thought Sodom won't be destroyed because surely there are 10 innocent people. Like, I really feel like Abraham thought that Sodom would be, um, would be, um, well, uh, there's a word that I'm looking for. And I can't think of it. Saved. I'll just use the word saved. I think that, that Abraham thought Sodom would be saved because I really feel like he was like, of course there's 10 innocent people in Sodom. Yeah, we're good to go, God. Verse, I mean, not verse, but chapter 19, verse one. That evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom and Lot was sitting there as they arrived. When he saw them, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed low to the ground. My Lord, he said, let me get my other part. Come to my home to wash your feet and be my guest for the night. You may then get up in the morning as early as you like and be on your way again. Oh, no, they said. We'll just spend the night out here in the city square. Like, no need to trouble yourself, Lot. We're just going to spend some, spend the night out here. We're good to go. But Lot insisted. I think, I believe that, that the angels, well, of course, the angels know what's going on in the world. I don't know, like, how much God, I'm thinking the angels know just as, not just as much as God does, but I feel like they know a lot about what's going on in the world. You know, I'm not going to say that they know everything that God knows because God is all knowing. You know, he knows everything at the same time. I don't know if angels have that ability, but these angels may, might have known what was what was going to happen, which we're going to read in just a minute. But they so they may have told a lot. We, 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 we'll, we'll stay out here. We don't want to come to your home. We'll stay out here because they knew the events that would happen once they got into Lot's house. So let's read and see what happens. But Lot insisted. So at last they went home with him. He set out a great feast before them, complete with fresh made bread without yeast. After the meal, as they were preparing to retire for the night, all the men, the Bible said all the men of Sodom, young and old. I don't know how many. Let me see if, if my notes tell me. It don't say, but it says all the men of Sodom, both young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. So they surrounded Lot's house. I don't know how word got to them that these two angels were in Lot's house, but the word got out. We got two new men in the city. We're going to see what's happening at Lot's house. So the men went 
Let's see what's going on. Going on. I'm about to say going down at Lot's house. See what's going on at Lot's house. Verse 5. They shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Now, first of all, how did they know the men was there? And how did they know the men were going to spend the night? Now, who in Lot's house is running their mouths? If you stay, what happens at Stephanie's house stays at Stephanie's house. Now, let me stop. <laughs> That's why you gotta be careful coming to your house because they might be going talking about what's going on in your house. But I'm, I'm just, I'm just joking. People really might do that, but I'm just, I'm all, it's all in fun. So anyway, somebody in Lot's house went and told the, the men in the city, or at least told a few of the men, or one of the men, and word got around. See, when we, when, when we, okay, let me, nah, let me keep, let me keep pushing in the words. I was about to say something. Let me, let me stick with the word. So verse six. Oh. Let me finish reading verse five. They shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out so we can have sex with them. Verse six, Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Now, I don't know if these men didn't have wives or didn't care or whatever the case may be, but this is, the Bible's talking about homosexuality. Yes, it is. I believe that homosexuality is a sin. However, I will not be disrespectful to a person who like is in the LGBTQ plus community. I'm not going to be disrespectful to them. I'm going to show forth love to them. I'm going to show kindness to them. I'm going to show respect to them because we don't love the sin. We love the person, but we don't love the sin. Okay. So homosexuality, in my opinion, according to the word is wrong. Just like murder is wrong. Just like rape is wrong. Just like sexual assault is wrong. Just like lying is wrong. Just like stealing is wrong and sexual immorality, according to the word of God. And I'm going to stick with that. Will I have conversations with, with the LGBTQ plus community? Yes, I will. Um, I used to work at a summer camp with high school, with middle schoolers and high schoolers at this um, summer academy is what we called it. And um, I taught the high schoolers. And so I had one young lady in my group. She was um, a homosexual and it was fine with me. It didn't bother me. We had good conversations. She was a very very intelligent young lady. Oh my goodness. And I'm calling her a young lady because that's what she, you know, told me. She's a young lady. She didn't tell me anything different. Um, and so I don't know, you know, what her label is now, but we had some really good conversation. Very, you know, intelligent young lady. And her girlfriend also was on campus. And so when we would do our trips with the kids, like our, our college trips with them, um, when we went to the different colleges, went out to eat and everything, her girlfriend asked if she could be in our group. And I was like, sure. I said, well, let me talk to your, your um, teacher to make sure it's okay. And so she was in my group. So I had one more, I think I had like eight or nine kids. She was just one more. She went around with us to, you know, visit the college. We were in groups and then we broke off to do certain things. And so I, 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 appreciated the fact that I created a welcoming environment where she wanted to be with our group because they could have easily, the, the student of mine could have easily went to the other group, but I was thankful that I created a welcoming environment. I'm going to love everybody. I don't care what your sexual preference is. I don't care if you're homeless or if you are a millionaire or billionaire. I'm going to treat everybody with love. I'm going to treat everybody with respect. I don't have to like your lifestyle, but I'm going to look, I'm going to like you. I'm going to love you. And so, and, and some people may have a problem with that saying that I'm glad that I created an atmosphere of love, but that's what the Bible says. The world will know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ by the love that we share. So I appreciated that the atmosphere was enough nurturing and enough loving um, that she felt comfortable to be in my space. Did they know I was a Christian? Yeah, they did. <laughs> I didn't try to hide who I was to my students. I told them exactly who I was. Some of them even knew I'm, I was an ordained minister. So I, and, it, and it was fine. Like I didn't try to preach Jesus to them, to, to the couple or to any of my students. You know, if they wanted to talk about the Bible, we would talk about that. But I would let them initiate those conversations. Like I didn't try to convert nobody, you know. But I, again, I just appreciated that God's love was present enough that she felt comfortable to be in the environment. But then somebody else listening may say, well, maybe she felt too comfortable.
maybe she should not have felt comfortable because of her skin. If you want to look at it that way, that that's okay too. That is your prerogative. But she, but she was a child, and I'm not going to be disrespectful to anybody, but not kids like teenagers. I'm going to welcome them. I'm not going to love on them, regardless of what lifestyle they choose. It just is what it is. I may not like their lifestyle, but I'm going to love them. So that is what it is. So anyway, we got homosexual going on um, in the city of Sodom. And of course, if they're asking for these men that this has been going on for, for however long. I know um, it is said that, you know, that, that God destroyed Sodom um, because of the homosexual sins. The Bible simply says that Sodom was evil. Now, I don't know what kind of evil was going on. Obviously, homosexuality was going on. Bestiology could have been going on. Gluttony could have been going on. Rape could have been going on. Sexual assault could have been going on. Domestic violence could have been going on. Theft could have been going on. The Bible doesn't explicitly say. It just talks about the evil acts that were going on in Sodom. Okay? So whatever evil acts was going on, God said, uh-uh, I, 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 I've got to take care of this sin. I've got to take care of it. And so as we read, we'll find out that's what happened. So the men come, they say, bring these two men out so we can have, now I don't know. So going back to the men, y'all, I don't know how, it says all the men in Sodom, both the young and the old. I don't know if it was 25, if it was 105, if it was 205 or 2005. I don't know how all these men were going to have sex with just these two men, but that's, that's neither here nor there. But, you know, my mind wonders, I think about things. So anywho, verse six, I'm going to reread it. Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Do with them as you wish, but leave these men alone, for they are under my protection. Verse nine, stand back, they shouted. Who do you think you are? We let you settle among us and now you are trying to tell us what to do? We'll treat you far worse than those other men. And they lunged at Lot and began break and began breaking down the door. Verse 10. But the two angels reached out and pulled Lot in and bolted the door. Then they blinded the men of Sodom so they couldn't find the doorway. I'm going to stop right there because I really want to, to look at verse, um, I really want to look at verse eight. Yeah, that's true. I agree with that. My my mom is in the chat and she said it may not have it may not have been a member of Lot's household. Out of town people are noticed by those in town. Most travelers spend the night in their friend's home. And every town there's always someone who knows everything. That's so true. That's I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. If it was a small town, you do notice new people in small, smaller towns and medium sized or larger towns. But you're right, somebody could have noticed them and been like, look, y'all, these men outside of how I mean, not at Sodom House, but at Lot House. Let's go see what's going on. So, yes, yeah, thank you for sharing that um, that comment, Mom. Um, so, let's get to verse 8. I, I didn't like this, y'all, but this is what Lot did. Y'all are parents. Those of you who are parents, you're parents. So, I'm curious to know how you, how you feel about or what you think about what Lot proposed to these men. But in verse 8, it says, look, this is Lot talking to the men that have surrounded his house. I have two virgin daughters. Do with them as you wish, but leave these men alone for they are under my protection. First of all, <laughs> you're going to hand your daughters over to these men? Are you serious? Why? So that's, that's, what, that's how I feel about it. every time I read this, I think the same thing. Like, why are you serious? You try to hand your daughters over to these men? But, 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 but. Think about this, y'all. Lot's daughters were engaged. Both of the two were engaged. And so I don't know if Lot thought maybe the fiancés would come to their rescue or what. I do understand and I do recognize that during Bible days, um, when guests came to your house, they were 
they were considered people of honor, you know, or a person of honor in your home and you protected them and you took care of them and you treated them like one of the family. So I understand the custom um, during this time of how guests were honored. But your daughters, I was like, but your daughters lot. Anyway, let me keep reading. <laughs> so let me keep reading. Okay, verse. So the angels, anyway, the angels, um, the daughters, Lot did not have to give his daughters to these men because the angels pulled him inside. They bolted the door and they blinded the men so that they couldn't find the door. So thank, thankfully, the angels stepped in to protect Lot and to protect his daughters. Like, I don't know what his wife would have done. Like, I don't know if Lot's wife would have beat him down. <laughs> If he get, if he really had to, or if he really did give his daughters to these men, I don't know if she would have beat him down or not. I don't know what that conversation would have looked like, or would have sounded like, or would have been like. But thankfully, the angels thank God for our angels. Thank God for our protectors who intervene on behalf of Lot and his daughters. Praise God. So, verse fourteen. So Lot rushed out. Uh oh, wait a minute. Let me go up. I missed. Um, I missed verse twelve. These are the angels talking to Lot. Do you have any other relatives here in the city? The angels asked, get them out of this place. Sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone else, for we will destroy the city completely. The stench of the place has reached the Lord, and he has sent us to destroy it. And... You know, the stench of Sodom had reached God's nostrils and he was going to destroy it. I'm thinking about right now in this moment, how does our sin smell to God? Like when we sin and then continue in our sin, what is it? I'm just thinking that odor probably smells like garbage to God. And you know, when you, when you have, cooked or, or like for me, when I buy meat, I take the meat out of the package. I go ahead and clean it up. I'm looking at my sink right now. I go ahead and clean it up and I put them in freezer bags. I date it, put, put one of these dated, come, you know, just put all my little words on it. Um, and then I put it, you know, in the freezer if I'm not going to eat it right away. And, but when I put the packages in the trash, I try to do it. Well, if the trash isn't full, like if, you know, I usually put a, take a grocery bag or a separate bag so that I can go ahead and take it out to the trash because I do not like the smell of like, um, like the blood in the package, like that meat smell, like in the trash can. Because if you keep it in the trash too long, that smell is going to permeate your house. If you don't take your trash out when it gets full and all that food, your leftovers, your scraps, that that smell is horrible. We don't like the smell of garbage, but I, I feel like that's how our sin smells to God. It smells like garbage. It's nasty. It's stinky to God. So the stench of Sodom had reached God's nostrils and he had to take some action. So the angels told Lot, get your family, tell them to get out of Sodom because we're going to destroy it. I'm so thankful that Lot's family, well, his wife, you know, but Lot's family was spared and all of his relatives were spared. I'm thankful for that. So let me keep reading. When Lot still hesitated, uh -oh, wait, wait, let me go up a little further. Verse 14. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, quick, get out of the city. The Lord is going to destroy it. But the young man thought he was only playing. Uh, excuse me, joking. The Bible says, uh, well, my New Living Translation says joking. 15. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry. They said to Lot, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, get out of here right now, or you will be caught in the destruction of this city. When Lot still hesitated, the angels seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city. For the Lord was merciful. 
All you have to do is tell me one time. All the angels had to do is say, Stephanie, you in danger, and I'm gone. You ain't even got to tell me what the danger is. I don't need to know what the danger is. You say, Stephanie, you in danger. You need to get out of here. I'm grabbing keys. I'm getting in the car. I'm getting in my house if I happen to be outside. Like when I sense danger, when I feel the Holy Ghost is telling me it's dangerous, I, I be moving. Like I don't, I don't need to know about the danger. I'm moving. So I so, but hot, but hot, but lot hesitated. For whatever reason, I don't know. I mean, these are the angels of the Lord speaking to you, telling you this city is about to be destroyed. This is dangerous territory. You need to get to safety. But Lot still tripping. Pride, arrogance, ignorance, <laughs> whatever it was, Lot hesitated. And the angels of the Lord had to physically remove them from the city, y'all. Oh, my God. See, see. See, I was about to say something about this. If it was me, I would have been like, okay, then we'll stay right there. <laughs> stay there and get destroyed with Sodom then. But thank God that God's ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. He don't think like I do. He don't do what I would do. <laughs> so anyway, the angels physically removed Lot and his family because God wanted their lives to be spared. And so the angels physically removed them. Let's keep reading. Verse 17, run. The angels are telling Lot, his wife, and his daughters, run for your lives. Remember, I'm living, I'm reading in the New Living Translation. Run for your lives, the angels warn. Do not stop. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Do not stop. The Bible didn't say that last part. <laughs> the Bible says, do not stop anywhere in the city, excuse me, in the valley, excuse me, and don't look back. Don't. Your instructions are run. <laughs> Do not stop. <laughs> and don't look back. Three simple instructions from the angels of the Lord. Uh, let me get my place. The angels warned. Do uh let me let me keep reading. Escape to the mountains or you will die. Verse 18. And no, my lords, please, Lot Big, you have been so kind to me and saved my life, and you have granted me such mercy, but I cannot go to the mountains. This is Lot talking to the angels. I cannot go to the mountains. Disaster would catch up to me there, and I would soon die. Why did Lot do in the mountains? We don't know. We don't know what Lot did to the people in the mountains or in the mountains. The Bible didn't say that I can recall or that we're going to read. So we don't know what happened in those mountains that made a lot of freebies. Like, I can't go there. I'm going to die. Verse 20. See, there is a small village nearby. See, that's why you can't burn your bridge. Burn. Well, burn your bridges or your bridges. Okay. You cannot burn or it's best not to burn bridges with people. If there's somebody that you were in relationship with, like a friend, um, um, even boyfriend, girlfriends, you know, if you can leave that relationship in peace, it will be better to leave that relationship in peace than to leave that relationship in turmoil. Even with divorces, if 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 it if it be possible, we should live peaceably with all men. Is what the Bible says. But if you can even leave that divorce in peace, then it's better to be in peace than to be in turmoil. So for whatever happened. In those mountains, Lot was afraid because we, we, we just never know if we're going to need people down the road. It just is what it is. You know, we, we, we mistreat that spouse or that boyfriend or that friend or whatever. We never know if they're going to come up later in life. You know, and be and, and and you know, be a potential investor in our business, or be the person that's going to help us in our ministry. Like we never know what God has planned for us down the road, so it's best that we don't burn bridges. Like it's best that we can separate, leave relationships, even if you're leaving a church. You know, to go to a new church. You know, try try. You know, talk to the pastors, a pastor or pastors. You know, him and his wife or her and her husband. You know, talk to them and try to leave in peace, if at all possible. So anyway, Lot says, I can't go to the mountain. You know, I don't want to go to the mountains. I'm, I'm going to die there, but there's a village up ahead. And so please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved. All right, the angel said, I will grant your request. I will not destroy that little village, but hurry. <laughs> For I can do nothing until you are there. 
From that time on, that village was known as Zoar, and Zoar means little. Verse 23, the sun was rising as Lot reached the village. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the heavens on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them along with the other cities and villages of the plain, eliminating all life, people, plants, and animals alike. But Lot's wife, y'all know what Lot's wife did. She looked back. She had three instructions, run, don't stop in the valley, don't look back. Three simple instructions, but Lot's wife looked back. As she was following along behind him, behind Lot, and she became a pillar of salt. <laughs> Y'all, I shouldn't laugh, but but reading it now is she she she. I don't know why God chose a pillar of salt. I I can't say I don't know. God is sovereign; He seeks after the counsel of His own will. I don't know. Why he turned Lot's wife into salt. She was disobedient, so her punishment her punishment was you turn it into a pillar of salt. And that's what God did. Again, God is sovereign. He sees at the counsel of his own will. When I get to heaven, I'm gonna ask God, God, the pillar of salt though, like a pillar of salt, God. <laughs> Let me keep reading before the Lord come down right now. Oh look, come down on me right now. Um, so verse 27, so I don't know what Lot's response was. Like when he saw his wife turn into this pillow, so I don't know. I don't know what he did. I'm sure he kept running because he was like, well, ain't nothing I can do about it. I, I don't know what, his, what their daughters did. Like, oh my gosh, my mom is a pillow. So I don't know what their response was, what their reaction was. But either way, Lot and his daughters got to safety. All right. Um, verse 27, the next morning, Abraham was up early and hurried out to the place where he had stood in the Lord's presence. He looked out across the plain to Sodom and Gomorrah and saw columns of smoke and fire, excuse me, smoke and fumes as from a furnace rising from the cities there. But God had listened to Abraham's request and kept Lot safe, removing him from the disaster that engulfed the cities on the plain. Yeah. Hmm. I, I know this happened like thousands of years ago, but I'm still I still feel kind of sorrowful for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. I do. I I, I know that they that they were uh, living in sin, and I know what they did was evil. But I, I still feel so empathetic to them, even though they 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 they've been gone. I still feel empathetic when I read this to to what was to their situation, whatever. Just I just do. And so, but anyway, the city was destroyed, and thankfully, God saved um, Lot and his family. Um, except when, well, his wife was saved, but she got you know she was punished for being disobedient, and so. There were not 10 righteous people in Sodom. Remember the conversation God and Abraham had, if there's 10 innocent people or righteous people, I won't destroy it. There wasn't even 10 there. So they were destroyed. Everything was destroyed. The plants, the animals, everything was destroyed. Verse 30, afterward, Lot left Zor because he was afraid of the people there. And he went to live in a cave in the mountains with his two daughters. Um, one, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and read this. I've I, I, I forgotten about this part because I was going into, verse, into chapter 18, but we're, we'll read it. One day, the older daughter said to her sister, there isn't a man anywhere in this entire area for us to marry. And our father will soon be too old to have children. Come, let's get Oh, excuse me, I was going to go into chapter 20, not chapter, hold on, not chapter, I'm in chapter 19 right now. I was going to go on into verse 20, excuse me. Um, there isn't a man anywhere in the entire area for us to marry, and our father will soon be too old to have children. Come, let's get him drunk with wine, and then we will sleep with him, y'all. 
That way we put, we will preserve our family line through our father. So that night they got him drunk and the older daughter went in and slept with her father. He was unaware of her lying down or getting up again. He was so drunk he didn't know his daughter was in there with him. Verse 34, the next morning the older daughter said to her younger sister, I slept with our father last night. Let's get him drunk with wine again tonight. And you go in and sleep with him. That way our family line will be preserved. So that night they got him drunk again and the younger daughter went in and slept with him. As before, he was unaware of her lying down or getting up again. So both so y'all, Lord have mercy. Let me just let me just keep moving, keep reading. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. I don't know how Abraham didn't know that they was in there having sex with him, but they he didn't know and I'm just gonna leave that there. Okay. When the older daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Moab. He became the ancestor of the nation now known as the Moabites. When the younger daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Benami. He became the ancestor of the nation known, excuse me, now known as the Ammonites. And that concludes chapter 19. There was a lot of things that happened in the Bible that we wouldn't agree with today. And this is one of them. Um, I'm pretty sure there were some men. Well, okay, so Sodom was destroyed. Gomorrah was destroyed. They left Zoar because Lot, uh, I guess, became afraid again. So he left there. I I don't know why they didn't go to Abraham's house because Abraham, I'm sure Abraham had some male servants that were not married that would have gladly married Lot's daughters. So I don't know why they didn't go to Abraham's house or, you know, I can't say, you know, maybe that's something I'll ask God when I get to heaven or if I can holler at Abraham or excuse me, Lot's daughters, I'd be like, well, you know what was going on. But that's what they did. And that was that. And I don't have much more to say about it. <laughs> If y'all want to add something in the chat, go ahead and add something in the chat. If you want to add something to the comment section, you can do that as well. All right. So I think that's what I'm going to stop right there. We read we read chapter 18 and chapter 19, as I said, we would do at the beginning. So I'm going to stop there. Uh, if you have anything you want to share, definitely let me know. Go ahead and add it to the chat. If you have any questions about chapter 18 or 19, any comments you want to share, you can go ahead and do that now. But I'm telling you, God, when God speaks, we better listen, y'all. I'm telling you, if you feel if you feel in your spirit or in your guts, but in your spirit that something's not right or a situation <clears throat> or an area that you're in is dangerous, trust that. Trust that Holy Ghost prompting and go another way or don't go to that party or don't go to that event. Like go another way, do something different. Trust God when he is leading you. God, I promise you, God loves us. We are his children. He loves us. He does not want to see us hurt. He does not want to see us abused. He does not want to see us in danger. So God tells you to go a different way, like a different route to work or to the grocery store or wherever. Go a different way. Just follow what you feel the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do. Follow what God is saying. Amen. Amen. So that is all that I have to share with you tonight. I want to say thank you so much for joining me for our Old Testament study. Uh, we read through Genesis 18 and 19. Next week, we'll start with chapter 20. and Not next week, but next Old Testament study. Um, next first Thursday of the month in June, in July, we will start with verse 20 of Genesis. I want to invite you to join me next Thursday at 6.30 p.m. for our New Testament Bible study. We will be in chapter 7 of Matthew. So go ahead and read chapter 7, read chapter 8. I don't know if we'll get to chapter 9. We'll have to see. Um, but go ahead and read those those few chapters, 7, 8, 9. I'm in 10, you know, if the Lord is leading you, and we'll, we'll do some have some conversations about that um, next Thursday. Um, I have an idea that I might implement for next Thursday, so I will let you I will let you know or make those introductions at that time. I do want to invite you all. I don't have any information up on my website about it yet, but I do want to want to invite you to the summer gathering. We will have a three-night, I'll call it a revival, a three-night service, a three-night revival. In the month of June, let me look at the dates because I don't have it in my um, 
and my notes. So it's going to be June 22nd, June 23rd, and June 24th. We will be right here on the Stephanie Humphrey channel with our 7 p.m. service for the summer gathering. I don't even know what year we're in for the summer gathering. So 2020 was 10 years of Be Free Ministries ministry. Um, so so this will be 12 years in 2022. I don't know how long I've been doing the summer gatherings. I don't think I've been doing the summer gathering as long as Be Free Ministries has been in existence. But um, but but yeah, so we'll do some celebrations during the um, week of revival for the summer gathering. We'll do some celebrations about our anniversary. But yeah, 7 p.m. nightly right here on the Stephanie Humphrey channel. I don't have the program solidified yet, but... Y'all, this this is it right here. This is what God said. This is not Stephanie. I wanted to be very clear. This is not Stephanie's doing. This was totally God. Because I have I had already invited some ladies to bring forth the word. Not that I just want ladies, but there were two ladies I had invited like earlier in this year. One I invited in January and one I invited in I think last month in May. And I never heard from those young ladies. So I was asking the Lord, well, who else, you know, who else should I, you know, invite for the summer gathering? He was like, you. <laughs> the Lord didn't say you in particular. He was like, you're going to do the revival is what he said. Like, you're going to do each night of the revival. I said, I am. <laughs> and that was not my intentions. When I started planning the summer gathering, I knew we were going to do a three. I was going to actually do a week, a full week. But then it turned into the three nights, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And so I was going to have some guests. Pre I wasn't even, I didn't, I don't, I hadn't decided if I was going to bring the word or not. But so I'll be bringing the word all three nights on the 22nd, the 23rd, and the 24th, 7 p.m. nightly. Our theme is from surviving to thriving. That is our theme from surviving to thriving. Y'all pray my strength in the Lord. Pray that I will hear the word of the Lord, deliver the word of the Lord, and that lives will be changed. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to have some information up on the website within the next week so that you can tell your friends, tell your family, invite folks to come to hear a word from the Lord for our summer gathering. Okay. And then on the 25th, that Saturday, um, the summer gathering through the week, the week revival will be open to everybody, but the 25th will be open to ladies only. And so I actually have a page ready on my website. I just haven't made it live. So you will, ladies, have to register for the summer gathering. It will be totally virtual because I have not done any in-person planning for this, um, but it will be virtual. Now, October is the Fellowship Pocketbook Exchange, or excuse me, the Pocketbook Exchange Fellowship. And that might be in person. I don't know yet. I do have a date for that. But the summer gathering is going to be totally online. So if you are a lady and you want to join us for the 25th for that Saturday, at 10 a.m., you can register on our website at BeFreeMinistriesNC.org once I make the page live. <laughs> By next Thursday, I will be announcing that the page will be live. So just keep checking back um, to see when you can register. We'll have, I don't even know what we're doing. I'm going to just be honest. With you. I have no idea what we're doing for Saturday. Um, now that, I might bring some teachers in for that. We'll see what the Lord says. I normally have the summer gathering planned by now, y'all. But I'm telling you, I've been planning other events and doing other things. And so we will see what the Lord says for that Saturday. I'm hoping he'll let me have some ladies to come in. I was thinking about doing um, like one session for everybody, two breakout sessions, and then another session for everybody. I'll see what the Lord says. As soon as he lets me know, I'll let you know. Um, and then it'll be up on our website. Okay. You want to know more about the ministry? Visit us at Be Free Ministries nc.org. Let me check the chat before I let you all go. My mom noticed the. Uh, my mom didn't notice, but my, my mom noted the practice of interfaith relationships was common during that time. That's that's true. That's true because we had what we had Adam and Eve, um, had Cain and Abel. Right? Cain killed. I mean, Abel killed. Excuse me. Cain killed Abel. I had it right the first time. Adam and Eve had some more kids. 
Somebody had to populate the earth. Adam and Eve couldn't be fruitful and multiply by themselves. So their, their, their children had to inter, intermingle <laughs> in order for more children to be produced. It just was what it was during that time. Uh, in today's time, we have a word for that. It's called incest. We would consider that to be incest in today's time. But during biblical times, it just was what it was. You had cousins marrying you know each other it just was a part of the culture a part of the time if you don't like it take it up with the lord <laughs> take it up with him praise god all right y'all i'm gonna let y'all go so that i can have my dinner and you can go and do what you need to do look if nobody has told you that they love you i love you we at be free ministries we love you and we'll see you next thursday at 6 30 p.m this is be free Ministries signing off be blessed In addition to going live on my YouTube channel at 6.30 p.m. on Thursdays, I also go live at 10 p.m. on my podcasting channels, including Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Blessings.